Secure some price for Tuesday, January 16th, 2024. Coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center downtown. If you're heading to a game, why not make it a staycation? Call the wall, 604-331-1000. Matt Secure's alongside Blake Price, Grace Asset and Switches, conducting things with intern Lachlan Irvin. And today's show presentation, as always, of Applewood Auto Group. Applewood, Kia, and Langley, a couple of fabulous deals. They want to make sure that they don't pass you by. The Kia Seltos finance from 4.99%. Go take that one for a test drive. If you're thinking electric, like a lot of people are, the now world-famous Nero finance from 6.49%, all at Applewood, Kia, in Langley. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today with five Vancouver Canucks players plus Rick Tockett going to the All-Star game. Who's the Canucks MVP so far? Thatcher Demko, Quinn Hughes, JT Miller, Elias Pettersson. You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter and YouTube. I'm still Team Pettersson here, or Team Hughes here, but you can make a case for Pettersson. You can make it. You can make a case for all four of those guys, and maybe even Brock Besser. And the early voting, uh, lots are making cases for Rick Talkin and Patrick Alvin as well. So much going right for these Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, well, let's see. Hey, when... All the ships are rising. It's easy to uh, it's easy to pick them all off. You know, it's it's been a hell of a start to the season, and everybody deserves some piece of the credit. Um, I, I think they'll default to the captain at the end of the season, probably. If if all this pattern continues, I still think the default solution is probably the captain. But well, he'll lead the league in scoring by defense, which well, you'd think. Although McCarr is one back. No, I know, speak. but you're yeah. saying yeah. if all yes, if it, if if the trends continue, if all stands, then you're looking at, I dare say, the likely Norris Trophy winner. It, and Certainly it, a finalist. The other guys aren't going to get the county stats trophies. Like um, mm-hmm. we were just looking at it every time the Canucks seem to le- seemingly hit a new milestone in the case of JT Miller, 60 points. And Pedersen on an absolute tear. Right. He's 14 points back. Damn Kucherov and McKinnon, they just keep scoring in Tampa and Colorado. And Austin Matthews running away with the rocket. We're not running away with it, but running away from the crowd, him and Reinhardt, uh, 33 and 32 goals. Mm -hmm. That's a long way up from Brock Besser's 27. Boy, is Sam Reinhardt making himself some money. Holy cow. As a UFA. And scoring in all situations, he's got shorties, he's got power play goals. Like it's uh, it's crazy. Marvelous player, and one of the guys who shook out from Buffalo's rebuild. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, we say everything's going well for the Vancouver Canucks, just not their plane. Tell us about this story at YBR. Well, I, I at first when I read the headline, I'm like, wow, I'm surprised I didn't get out. Um, the Canucks charter. Went off the runway last night. So, like, that 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 headline, oh, my God. Well, not at speed, not with them on board. So they, they got in safely. They parked at the gate. Everybody got off. Yada, yada. Then they're moving back to the hangar to sleep for the night. The plane is. And somebody made a wrong turn or a wide turn. And they ended up in the mud. And they had to pull the craft out of the mud with some effort and uh and get it back home so thankfully the headline wasn't as or was more scary than the story itself but uh nevertheless an incident as it yeah. and, and that would have just been icing on the cake wouldn't it have been oh a year Canuck ago if it happens a year ago or but but just for the kind of road trip too yeah. long time blizzard all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. like my goodness uh look they're back home here now 
and there's supposed to be a follow-up and some talks with regards to Elias Pettersson and the Vancouver Canucks. And we have seen enough signals here over the last few weeks that suggests that ownership and management of the Vancouver Canucks are anxious to get this done, or at the very least anxious to get some progress on this file. And you can understand why as you're marching towards the March trade deadline and about seven weeks away from that right now, you would like to know if your franchise centerman is willing to resign at some point. And of course, knowing how much term and more importantly, how many dollars he is going to cost you next season and going forward. Because here's the thing. The calculus has changed somewhat for Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine to be this good, this deep into the season makes you a cup contender. Now you may be several notches down the list in terms of uh, who's favored to win the Stanley cup. That is most understandable with Vancouver having not made the playoffs in several years. And some of these teams battle tested in the Stanley cup playoffs. But as we saw last year, the Canucks made a huge trade for Philip Ronick. If they're going to make a similar trade for a guy who either has term or club control remaining, or is an RFA or even a UFA that you would like to re-sign, whether it's Elias Lindholm or some of these other UFAs that are out on the market, you would like to know what Elias Pettersson is going to cost you and assurances that Elias Pettersson wants to stay in Vancouver. He declined to speak about his contract situation with Ian McIntyre on this road trip, Blake. And I get the sense that, you know, Canuck Nation, but Canuck Sports Entertainment itself could really use even a, yeah, I really love Vancouver, want to be here long-term, you know. Yeah, something, something like that. <laughs> yes. Some sort of overture that suggests that he sees his playing future here with the Canucks. I mean, honestly, I I think Canuck Nation would be completely fine if Elias Pettersson said, it's just about the money at this point. I'm just waiting for bucket loads of money. And then people would be like, okay, at least it's just about the money. We can do that. But I don't think people are convinced yet that it's just about the money. Yeah. Like, even if he just said that, you know, okay, they just need to bump that number up to and 12 course, point whatever. Things players never say, but yeah. But, and it sounds selfish, but I think, honestly, I think that would actually quell some of the fears because yeah. that's not what people are afraid of. People are afraid it's not about the money. Uh, I'm reminded of earlier in the season, there was like reports or scuttlebutt that, you know, maybe the, you know, uh, the, the Canucks held some cards here that, you know, that's if they want Elias Pettersson to remain at Canuck, which is you know startling. More recently, there have been some scuttlebutt or reports that he was perhaps irked by the fact of meeting between Pat Bersan, his agent, and Patrick Alvin was made public. But the Canucks as a organization do have to message on this a little bit. We said this at the beginning of the year, Blake. So long as you're winning, the Elias Pettersson file goes reasonably dormant. And I think that was the case through October, November, mm -hmm. and much of December. When you get into the second half of the season and you start hitting these signposts like trade deadline, and then, of course, the draft and free agency, 
you know, those are when massive franchise defining decisions are made. And that's when you need the most information possible. So do you anticipate a hard press here from the Vancouver Canucks to see if they can get this wrapped up and delivered to their fans, fans by trade deadline, which in of course will help guide the movements of management through the de- trade deadline, what they're able to add, whether it's just for this year or whether we're talking about players who will factor over multiple seasons. I, I think they will try to get as much business done as soon as possible. I think that that, that extends to uh, player extensions like mm-hmm. Pedersen. I think it extends to player acquisitions as well. I think they're going to try to act soon on all fronts. So the answer is yes. Could you see them putting a ginormous number in front of Pedersen right now just to try and yeah. settle all accounts? Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think what about Hronik? Um Hronik they can probably stand to be a little bit cagier with. Mm-hmm. I mean, A, like very nice piece of the puzzle. Not going to put down Hronik in the least. But if Philip Hronik somehow left the organization, I don't think you're thinking, wow, what's the direction of our organization here going forward? Which is what the questions would be if the Canucks just lost Elias Pettersson or had to trade Elias Pettersson. Fair enough, but I do think you'd have some chicken little given what he has forged with Quinn Hughes. I mean, that is a big part of their recipe for success. Power play too. Yeah, and it puts you really in a dearth on the right side, obviously. So, you know, that would be a problem, but it's not as astronomical as one uh, for the for for Elias Pettersson. So I think you uh, you try to get all business done. I think it's just going to be a little bit sticky. The Ronick one yeah. is a chicken or egg. Is he having the season because he's with Hughes? Is Hughes having the season because he's got a right side guy with him? Uh, you know, like you just – you just don't know. Um, and that's that's going to be the debate behind closed doors between Alan Walsh and and uh, Canuck management on 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 Ronick. How big of a story will Pedersen and his unresolved contract be when the league gather, gathers here in a few weeks in Toronto for the All-Star game? Not as big as if Nylander was still on. <laughs> that's the good news. Fair. Uh, and I don't but, even I don't even think uh, Pedersen's contract status fills that gap. Like I, it, it, he, you know, for as much as I'm sure Elias Pedersen thinks that he's under the microscope here, like grass is not always greener. Okay. And and I think it's going to be talked about. I'm not saying it's not going to be talked about, but I don't think it's going to be the story. I, I guess um, what I'm wondering is how long before we have a so and so is prepping a big push. To the Canucks for Elias Pettersson. Like, at what point do you have franchises? I think that you risk that in May for sure. You risk that heading into the draft. If oh, he's I'm wondering if something like that uh, shows up before March and the trade deadline. I would be, I mean, I mean, it's not going to get done, but you know, these sorts of players are so rarely available. Mm-hmm. And you and I have both worked in Toronto where it seems like every time a player of this stature goes through there and has some degree of uncertainty with his current club, yeah. you get somebody who sticks a microphone in their face and says, hey, how do you feel about playing in Toronto one day or something like that? I, I just sort of wonder at what point do you get other teams checking in on Elias 
and then messaging to their particular favored reporters or insiders saying, Hey, you know, we checked in on uh, Patterson and, and we're told whatever they were told, you know, basically Blake. And I think you put it perfectly um, with J Pat later in the show, not negotiating in the first part of the season was a way to eliminate a distraction. Now not having a contract is the distraction. Yeah. I, I mean, to take your side for a second, I mean, in Toronto, all of their core, everybody's been rumored to be on the trade block except for Matthews. So who's the Matthews? Who escapes all that? Is that Quinn Hughes? I think it's Quinn Hughes. Yeah. Um, he's the captain. Mar- he's on the great deal, right? Marner was traded a thousand term. times. Nylander was traded a thousand right. times. I'm pretty sure even Riley at some point was traded a thousand times. So Although he took less to stay there. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think is the favorite talking head of that market. So, you know, do, does it get talked list. about? Yes. But, mm-hmm. you know, does it actually have any legs? Because he's not available. Like you said, like anytime some these players don't become available, he's not available right now. And how, mm-hmm. like, find me another instance of a division leader, nay, conference leader, nay, league leader that trades away no, of course one not. of its core of players. Not. Of course not. We're we're uh, even if we hear rumblings before the deadline, we're not gonna actually see anything, I think, until after the Canucks are done playing hockey this year. Yeah. Again, it's two different things. One, the distraction, and then two, the ultimate is he or execution he one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. will he or won't he be a Vancouver Canuck? Okay, so let me ask you this question. You're Rutherford Nelvine. You don't and it's status quo. Seven weeks from now, mm-hmm. you have no further information on Elias Patterson. You ha- don't have his name on a contract. You don't know what the future holds. Do you have to manage accordingly? And we've talked about how maybe you have to take your biggest swing here because this is the best your team is going to be set up for several years. But do you have to look at Patterson and to a lesser degree, Philip Ronick and say, okay, we can't be assured that they're going to be part of the program going forward. So let's go out and get us a top two centerman. Let's go out and get us a top four right side defenseman as further means of cover in case we can't come to contract terms with these guys. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you have to, you have to really sketch it out on the whiteboard and the Canucks I'm sure are doing this emphatically. They're doing, I have no doubt the different scenarios and if we sign player to around this amount what does the rest of the salary cap look like and if they're pushed to the limit with both Ronick and Pedersen you know it means emphatically you, you you can't bring back Nikita Zadorov you just can't there's no money there it means there's no raises you'll just give status quo contract offers to the likes of Cole Bluger and and whoever else and they'll take it or they'll leave it, but you just cannot afford to give them raises. And then, you know, if if you're going to do something else, if you're going to trade Ronick or what have you, then you've you've, you've got to sketch it out differently. But you, right. you, you, there will be a consequence to it. And you go out and get that second line center. Um, I think under a lot of scenarios, um, and and then again, you just make you make really shrewd decisions. It means Bluger's not back at all. 
It means that's Vasily Pykolsen spot. It means, you know, thing, <laughs> things like that. Sorry, Dakota Joshua, we love you, yeah. but we just can't afford you. You've played your way out of our price range. You've played your way to a $3.5 million player, yeah. and you can't be that here. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, I mean, you have a general idea, I would think, of what Pedersen and Hronik combined will cost you. You're looking at about $20 million. Yeah. Probably a little just bit shy. more. Just shy. I think just oh, shy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think a little more. I'm going to go seven and a half and 12. Put it this way. I would always budget for more <laughs> because you know what the cost. God, if I'm undercutting Elias Pedersen at 12, budget, oh bu- my God. Budget more <laughs> and then you can be happy yes. if it comes in less than 20 So that's where I'm at with it. And yeah, no, I think you're right. The whiteboard has scenarios where it's status quo with both big RFAs where one of them is re-signed and one of them hasn't. Mm-hmm. Then the vice versa. And then, of course, the dream scenario, maybe you get both of them done by the trade deadline and you can exhale. Well, and, and you can, then you can flesh out the whiteboard a little bit more knowingly, right? right? Then you, you have that certainty. You can really start to make moves because you know exactly what you're up against. Before we move on to the rest of the NHL, we should also address the Canucks sending down Friedman and Lars, uh, Carlson um, yeah. to Abbotsford. Abbotsford playing... Tuesday and Wednesday here. Um, mm-hmm. So this could be just simply, hey, you haven't played in a while. Yeah. Abby's playing. Get Go get some some miles. Could be just cap relief for the Vancouver Canucks. Or maybe they're thinking of, hey, you guys haven't played in a while. Go down and play a little bit. Mm-hmm. We're going to bring up so-and-so and so-and-so and give them a look for this five-game homestand. So maybe we'll see a couple more names coming up. I had wondered about a rotation yeah. around the fringes. To, to get people playing a little bit and maybe just to give a little bit of a look. But- I'd wondered about that with Friedman, but I thought they were keeping him up because they didn't want to risk losing him on waivers. He requires waivers, does he not? Well, Carl- Carlson's exempt, of course. He's a young he's, player. It says assigned. So oh, okay. If it's been assigned, I guess he's... Did we miss he was on waivers yesterday? I didn't see There's that. Some You're right. conditioning uh, um, stipulation that applies here? I don't know. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't say that per se, but... Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so um, a little bit of a change, and we'll see if they end up getting in the lineup for Abbotsford. And for their sakes, I kind of hope they do because they haven't played a whole lot of well, hockey. Well, and, you know, uh, I hold nothing against Linus Carlson, but as we've talked about, the next forward up I want to see is Archdeep Baines, given that he's going to the HL All-Star game, given that he has really rounded himself out as a professional hockey player after being this mm-hmm. scoring wizard in junior Plus a local kid who could, you know, be another touchstone of excitement in what has been an incredible season and full of good tidings for Vancouver Canucks fans. And uh, if it's not Archdeep Baines, I would also like it to be Vasily Podkolzin at some point for the sake of the hockey club. Although I do wonder if they're still willing to be patient on Podkolzin as well. Um, Put it this way, um, you know, in terms of prospects, if Vasily still counts, he's closer to the top of their list, right? A 10th overall pick. And in terms of good stories and perhaps, you know, more well-rounded hockey players are Steve Baines. Um, is... I love me some pods. I'm okay with him cooking for a while. I, I'm not in a huge, um, huge rush to see him, but yeah, I, I could see, I could see uh, Baines getting the call for this homestand. Sure. At some point. Yeah. And, and let's face it here, Blake, and uh, preview a welcome out here, but, this homestand could be rocking. I mean, the Canucks are back. Yeah. 
and, and it's a Thursday night game against Arizona has not been an event for an awful long time, but it could well be a big event. And then Saturday, of course. Yeah. I mean, well, that team is going to bring an event regardless. And of course, in part, it's an event because the game usually starts earlier. But there's a bit of a Canada Cup sort of element to that Saturday game. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure there's a lot of Leaf fans think, oh, we're just rope-a-doping here through the regular season. We don't care about the regular season. Right. And if they sweep the season series, I'm sure that won't sit well with the Canucks either. So that'll be interesting. On to the rest of the NHL where uh, quite a story coming out of Minnesota with Mike Russo of The Athletic reporting that because of the departure of an assistant general manager, and they've lost a couple of front office hockey side guys there. Oh, we, we, let's just put this to bed. Conditioning stint for Friedman. So you were ah, right. Yeah, there. yeah, I thought so. Continue. Um, Bill Guerin is without a capologist or an expert on the CBA. The Wild are using the resources of the NHL head office and central registry to guide them through cap and CBA questions and requirements. Garen has said he is not replacing that position till after the season, which means the Minnesota Wild are going into the trade deadline without those roles and needing third-party help. And the other thing, despite Garen's uh, protest that they're still in it and he wants to give this team time, Blake, they are five points behind Arizona and St. Louis who are kind of the bottom of the playoff chase pack in the Western Conference. They are eight points behind the Edmonton Oilers for the final wild card, and the Oilers have three games in hand. So, you know, Bill Guerin can think they're still in it all he wants. They're minus 23 in goal differential, and this is just about a lost season already, which brings the wild UFAs into into the picture, I would think, uh, as rentals available, if not now, then soon. Pat Maroon, and who wouldn't want Pat Maroon if you're a contender, right? Making just 800 k mm-hmm. uh, Brandon Newhame's a winger there on a cheap contract. couple of older defensemen, Zach Bogosian, Alex Goligosky, they're playing 17 and 16 minutes, respectively. And then Marc-Andre Fleury, who is in the second place all-time for goaltender wins, passing Patrick Waugh. Uh, he's on a $3.5 million ticket. They have, of course, that fine goaltending prospect, Jesper Walstead, first-round pick, uh, the big Swede. So Minnesota may be another team to watch. And, you know, beyond just the UFAs there, and I know there are many who are uh, gaga over Joel Erickson Eck. He is on an extraordinary contract with five and a quarter. He's got what, five years left after this one. So he'd be awfully pricey, but... You know, they got some older guys there as well. Like, they've re-signed Matt Zuccarello, but he's 36. Foligno's 32. Marcus Johansson, 33. They all have term, but you wonder if they're just not too old. So, who knows what could happen with the Minnesota Wild here if Bill Guerin does come to the decision that this season is lost. And, of course, they also are hanging on to those Suter and Parisi buyouts into next year. So, lots could happen. In the Twin Cities with that franchise. What if Bill's no longer in charge, too, would be the other That is the other thing here. That, okay, you were the guy who said, let's buy out these. It caused cap hell. Okay. And now they're front office hell. You're the guy who is forcing people out because of your behavior. Verbal abuse has been the allegation there. It's under investigation. And then Shana Goldman in The Athletic, a piece on Trevor Zegris and potential landing spots in 
the thing about a player like Zegers, he's not just going to um, appeal to the playoff teams and contender teams. She got Montreal, Chicago, Philly, Detroit, Washington, and Boston as potential landing spots. He's hurt right now, so this may well, uh, as Frank Cervelli told us on Friday, that will probably go into the offseason because, I mean, unless these rebuilding teams are willing to step up in season. But that's a name to watch. And uh, our old friend Jacob Markstrom, lower body injury day-to-day, not serious, but his name is now heating up mm-hmm. in the rumor mill. On to football. The BC Lions re-sign CFL All-Star Keon Hatcher. It's a three-year deal. Hatcher coming off the 78 catches for 1,226 yards, six touchdowns. He was second in the CFL in receiving yards. He missed four games as well and then had a career-high buck 95 against Calgary in the West Semi. Message with Neil McAvoy, their co-general manager, this morning. Asked him what's the chances of Hatcher being healthy for training camp. And, of course, he suffered that awful Achilles injury in the West Final against Winnipeg. Uh, Neil tells me there's a fair chance he won't be healthy at all next season, period. But they do want to take a look after the 12-game mark whether or not Keanu Hatcher would be available to potentially help the BC Lions down the stretch if he's ahead of the game. Uh, Lions also doing some business today, signing four different American skill position players, three of them receivers, including Travis Fulham. One point caught 38 balls for 538 yards and four touchdowns in 13 games with the Eagles. He had made stops in Detroit and Denver as well. And and the three receivers and the running back they brought in all played at the FBS, the highest collegiate level, all have had some degree of training camp in the NFL or dip a toe in the NFL. So the line's loading up on those receiver positions. As we know, Alexander Holland's also a free agent there, uh, not to mention the Canadian Javon Couture. We'll see where the Leos go. CFL free agency less than a month away. Then the NFL. Do we bother talking about the NFL? Well, it was a bad day for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Both the teams lost on Super Wild Card Weekend. It was a bad day for entertainment again. That yeah. Wild Card Weekend was just the worst. Bills get a huge lead over the Steelers, who come back somewhat, but aren't able to get it done. Chiefs Bills Sunday. From Orchard Park, Patrick Mahomes' first ever road playoff game. He's played 15 career playoff games. They've either been at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City or a neutral field in the Super Bowl. Tension is high with the Steelers. And I'm going to put three words in a sentence that is almost never said in Western Pennsylvania. Are the Steelers considering a coaching change? This is the franchise that has had but three coaches. Chuck Noel. It's just crazy. Bill Cower, Mike Tomlin. He is asked about his contract, and rightfully so, at the end of the season. Now, you know, perhaps that's a better question for the postmortem a couple days later. It's always very raw in the immediate minutes after a playoff loss. But Blake, he just walked out of the press conference silently before that question was even finished, actually. He has never been in this position before in his 17 years leading the black and gold. But I wanted to read this from our buddy J.D. Burke, who's a Steelers fan of Elite Prospects. Well, thank God it's over. Steelers were just a bad team in all three phases of the game that played miserable, joyless football and eked out fluky wins to get a playoff spot they in no way deserved. 
Look forward to doing this again next year, the mushy middle. And I'm not sure if Mason Rudolph or Kenny Pickett are the future of quarterback there. I'm not sure you can get the future of quarterback from where you're picking in the early 20s in the NFL draft. And that they allowed Tomlin to get to the final year. He would now be entering the final year of his contract, may well say something about the intentions of Steelers upper management and ownership. We, we shall see. I can't remember an NFL team looking like that degree of juggernaut that the Philadelphia Eagles looked at 11 and one and imploding as much as they have, because it's not because of key injury. I know Hertz was hurt. Uh, Hertz was hurt in the final game of the regular season and was not at his hundred percent best. And I know AJ Brown missed the game on Monday, their fine wide receiver. But some seems amiss there. The defensive coordinator change to Matt Patricia, I think, in retrospect, did not reflect well on on the Eagles and their head coach, Nick Sirianni. And they were 0 for 11 on third down and fourth down in the game and get destroyed by Baker Mayfield and Tampa. I mean, you know, the couple of forays there that suggested they were still in it. The fifth team in the Super Bowl era failed to convert a third or a fourth down in a playoff game, the first since 1988. So I don't know what the hell happened in Philadelphia down the stretch, but it does not look good. And I can't remember a team falling that flatly, that far from the heights they got to. Well, even within season, right? Never mind year to year. The fact that it has happened even oh, within year to year season. happens all the yeah. time. But yeah, you know, in December and January to go from what you look like through the first 12 games, which is really damn good, if not the class of the NFL, to that. Yeah. Seahawks have asked permission to interview their former defensive coordinator, the Dallas defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn. Quinn is also a candidate in Carolina, Washington, the Chargers, and Tennessee. They've asked to interview New York Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka. That's a little strange there. He's an Andy Reid disciple, but not exactly coming off a great season. Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris, he's available now. And, of course, once upon a time, a head coach with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as Quinn was with the Atlanta Falcons. Carolina, D.C., Ajiro Evero, and Las Vegas defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, Miami offensive coordinator Frank Smith. Graham's star was really rising a few years ago when he was the defensive coordinator with the Giants, and they had some terrific outfits. Now, the Rooney rule does apply here. You do have to interview minority candidates, and the Seahawks, amongst those six names, will have met their allotment. Do you think there's any chance they give the whistle to an inexperienced head coach or Dan Quinn and Raheem Morris, the guys to focus in on here because they're previous head coach. I think those are the uh, focuses. I would guess. I would guess. Um, I mean, Jim Harbaugh staying in Michigan. Well, Jim Harbaugh interviewed with the Los Angeles Chargers. It has now come to light that Jim Harbaugh and his agent are asking for immunity, whether NCAA investigations turn up anything more into the sign-stealing scandal this year in Ann Arbor. Um, He has denied any knowledge. He has denied uh, any of his staff having knowledge. 
the reports came out towards the end of the college season that NFL teams could act and with cause if the NCAA turns up anything at Harbaugh on Harbaugh and wants to administer penalties, even if he's out of the NCAA and coaching NFL football. So he has asked for immunity from all of that. Um, look, I think based on his first experience with the San Francisco 49ers and the way it ended, I think Jim Harbaugh, much like Bill Belichick, is going to want some sort of say in personnel. There are only so many teams out there that are going to give you a say in personnel. The Chargers have a quarterback, which a lot of these teams that are hiring head coaches do not feel good about. Mm -hmm. Justin Herbert is the bell of the ball there. Um, Plus a franchise that has lost its way. And I would think the Spanos family, the owners there, would look at him and say, this is a college championship winning coach who has one of the best winning percentages all time, albeit in a smaller sample in the NFL. And he has had good seasons. Yeah, well, he has had he good is seasons. He's a hell of a coach. I mean, he stick handled the Alex Smith to Colin Kaepernick transition beautifully. Yeah. Like that is something that could have absolutely tore down the team. It did not. So I, you know, I think the Chargers are the most likely landing spot. I would think the University of Michigan is still a possibility, and it sounds like Michigan is really up in the ante here to try and keep their coach. Seahawks' John Schneider is governing the search for a team, so that tells me that John Schneider is now going to outrank the head coach. Don't think they allow him to hire his boss. Stranger things have happened, but, you know, like Washington hired a GM. Seattle has a GM governing the search. Tennessee has a GM in place that they kept. So you look at those teams, the head coach is probably not going to have final say on personnel. Could be, so that could be equal say though. It could be. Yeah, it could be. And those collaborative situations is Pete Carroll um, detailed uh, on his way out with Schneider worked very well. Incidentally, the Falcons have interviewed Bill Belichick. We thought that was coming in. Sure enough. It did. Um, Rebecca Marino falls down under to American Jessica, uh, Jessica Pagula. Of course, uh, she is the daughter of Bills and Sabres mm-hmm. owners. And, uh, well, I mean, look, she made it all the way through qualifying. Got a tough draw in the first round. We'll see what Leila Annie Fernandez does and Felix Ojeda-Alassim going forward here down under at the Aussie Open. Big news from the Whitecaps today. Oh, is there? I missed this. Being What's up? very aggressive. Hmm. Very aggressive. They've got a gold package deal, a uh, ticket deal. It's, oh. a, it's a quartet of tickets, marquee games. Okay. That's the messy game? In- included in the four-pack. This is four games you get? Yeah. All four games, they're open in the upper bowl. Oh, wow. All four of them. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, it starts in March. It starts with the home opener versus Charlotte. Um, May 4th is the 50th anniversary game for the Whitecaps organization. Mm-hmm. Um, that's versus Austin FC in May. Mm-hmm. Then you get the, the messy matchup also later in May. Mm-hmm. And, and the first ever matchup between the two teams, by the way, Miami and, and Vancouver. And then in August versus LAFC. Right. Which is just a marquee matchup. Well, uh, I'm of two minds on this one. Number one, that's very bold and ambitious of the Caps to open the upper bowl when there were a number of games last year when the lower bowl looks sparse enough, albeit more routinely the midweek games than the weekend games. But secondly, that's also a novel way to get somebody to buy four tickets as opposed to just one. 
because we know that Lionel Messi game is going to be in huge demand. You want to go to the Messi game? Here you go. Here's your opportunity. Early. You got to buy three others, and you're more welcome to come on down and watch us celebrate our 50th anniversary and celebrate the start of the home schedule. And they don't have times listed for that May 4th or August 24th game just yet. I'm at the 50th anniversary game yeah, and, the, and LAF. the LAFC game. So I'm hoping those are 430 games. Gosh, I hope so. Because please, if you're trying please, to please. fill up the plays, right. get know. island folk. Yeah. Right? So Well, we know. Yeah, if you have that late afternoon start, you give people in the interior and the island an opportunity to get there and back on the same night, which is big. You know, not to mention, I just think that works better as a start time for Metro Vancouver. Time to get to today's menu brought to you by Greta Bar. Greta, great spot to catch the game throughout the season. Quick walk to the Rinker Stadium. Greta, go-to spot for food, drinks, fun, before and after the game. Make it a game night at Greta, 50 West Cordova, or at GretaBar.com. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, featuring Elvis Merzlikens and the first pick in the NFL draft. J-Pat will stop by, plan to talk about with Jeff. Uh, the Pedersen contract situation, Kuzmenko's road trip. Cole and Zadaroff, Zadorov is a pairing. Uh, Philip Ronick, the future there, the fatigue level of this club, Ilya Mikheyev and the black hole that is that line, not scoring right now. And uh, both the LA Kings and Vegas Golden Knights won Monday after the Canucks lost in a shootout. So they each make up a point on Vancouver. And as promised, we move to the people we go here to Tuesday, get you folks in. Following that Monday matinee, May fourth, seven thirty, August twenty fourth, four thirty. Ah, they go one so for the two. One for two. Yeah. Sick some price from Wall Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group hashtags are the. Best and worst of Twitter.com, Blake Price. Lead us off. What you got? At Adam Schefter, six-time All-Pro and future Hall of Fame center, Jason Kelsey told his Eagles teammates on Monday night's post-game locker room that he is, in fact, retiring. Early sources, 36-year-old Kelsey became visibly emotional at the end of the Eagles' 32-9 loss to the Buccaneers. He has considered retiring after other seasons, but this time is said to be real and happening. Yeah, I mean, he produced a documentary thinking he would retire and chronicle his last season and then decided to come back for this one, a Super Bowl champion, a six-time first-team All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler. I uh, have a feeling he'll be in Canton one day with his brother. And, and the funny thing is, is I don't think he truly got appreciated. Uh, from the P1s, they they, mm-hmm. they appreciated him. But the casual football fan, I don't think appreciated him until they figured out who Travis was. Yeah. You know, I mean, fair enough. I, I mean, he was the uh, he was the center and a good one on their Super Bowl team, but you know, needless to say, offensive linemen don't get a whole lot of right, shine. right. It was, it was, you know, he became a like a an actual face. He's in mm-hmm. the freaking Tide commercial for God's sake. Can, can you believe he showed up at the University of Cincinnati as a running back and converted to an offensive? That's line? uh. Uh, who's our PC Lions friend in the community uh, development? Uh, Terrace, Jamie Terrace. Oh, yeah, Jamie Terrace. Also did the same sort of thing. That's right. Well, slot back, I think, to, uh, uh, the, to the, thing, the thing I'll tell you is, is when coach pulls you aside at 19 or 20 years old and says, son, I don't think you're going to make it as a running back, but we think you could be an undersized offensive lineman. 
that is green light to go on out and eat, eat everything, everything in sight. That is one of the best assignments in football. Son, we're converting you to an offensive lineman. I think it was Donnie. Where's the buffet? Sports page did a story on Terrace's conversion. Oh, no doubt. They just followed him eating, eating, and eating. (laughs) It was unbelievable. Son, you're going to have six meals a day from this point forward. At Kobe Meyer, in his post-game media availability, Elvis Merzlikens said that he did, in fact, request to trade from the Columbus Blue Jackets. If you missed all of that Monday around the Canucks games, Merzlikens was making his first start of 2024. They had benched him for a couple of weeks, but not necessarily because his his level wasn't on form, mostly because they wanted to give their young goaltender Tarasov a shot and the conspiracy theorists or the realists in this case will tell you that this is, in fact, a tank job from Columbus. Merzlikens wasn't having any of it. Quote, I'm just mad. I'm going to tell you honestly, I'm mad, and I'm pulling the monster out of me now. I needed this win. I needed this win, and I got it, and now I'm laughing. <laughs> I mean, he was good. He wasn't amazing. No. He still but he got a win for a team that doesn't win a lot. Yeah, and he's terrific in the shootout. Yeah, he was. He was. He is uh, three more years on a deal that pays him uh, on a deal that averages five point four million. So that's his cap hit, which is r- roughly what the actual cash in hand is. It's actually a little lower than five point four million. You'd certainly have to believe in him because you're taking him on for more than this year. But the goaltender needy teams. Something tells me you might be able to get Merzlikens on the cheap in terms of acquisition cost. Uh, Markstrom is also uh, being talked about now uh, in Calgary. So yeah. Eric Francis did a piece on that. Yeah, and well, he's I, playing but, so well. Do, do you do you just you know well, is this your one chance to get that contract off your books and reset? First step there, as John Shannon told us yesterday, Calgary ownership has to sign off on a rebuild. It, 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 it's I don't now, know that that's a rebuild. You've got okay. you got other options uh, behind them. Calgary ownership has to. Well, yeah, they've got pretty good options. Yeah, of goal. I mean, I mean, like, a trade of Markstrom doesn't signal rebuild. I'm saying like, right. I, like you Lindholm, can do that. Hannafin would signal yes. rebuild, but yes, yeah. Markstrom, you're quite right. You can make the case. Hey, we feel good with Wolf and Vladar going forward, and we're going to change or we're going to trade our goaltender and get help amongst our skaters. You you could make that sort of trade. This is the key to the reload. Right. Right. And, of course, he's got a no move, so he's going to have a say in the matter. But he probably wants to go to I a mean, surefire contender, well, too. Well, that's the other thing is I, I'm not sure he's going to say yes to a a fringy playoff team. What do you, um, although I say that, I think Jake would say yes to New Jersey. Yeah, probably. I think you'd feel better about Toronto or L.A., though. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's, there's needs in a few places. Yeah. <laughs> like there's options. No, both fringy playoff teams and teams a little further up the yeah. food chain as well. I don't think they're sending them up the highway to, to oil country. Skinner's doing well enough there. But uh, at Frank underscore Sarah Valley, Jason Dickinson signs a two year extension with the Blackhawks at 4.25 AAV. Oh, my goodness. 
Wouldn't be shocked if Peter Mrazek were next as the Hawks try to put pieces in place for next year. Oof. Jason Dickinson signed as this responsible two-way player out of Dallas by the Vancouver Canucks. Saw no signs of either way. No. <laughs> no. Much less couldn't two-way. Play couldn't play center. Couldn't kill penalties. It was... Uh... Sent him to Chicago. Where he flourished. Where he's just fallen in love. Mm-hmm. He's eight that's and a half million dollars rich. I was just gonna say that's not total, right? That's no. per year. Yes. And the other thing it does is it takes a unrestricted free agent center rental uh, rental out of the uh, equation. Yeah, clubs. Yeah, now, I'm not sure he would have been a fit here. No, but not the need. Would have thought that a contender was looking at Dickinson going. He can help our bottom six. Yeah, perhaps. At my sports update, Ari Myroff. USC quarterback and projected number one pick Caleb Williams has declared for the 2024 NFL draft. The Heisman Trophy winner from two years ago. He had a tough year, albeit USC was absolutely horrible at offensive line. He was under fire all season long. Myroff adds that the word around NFL circles has been that Caleb is unlikely to hire a certified agent as he begins his NFL journey. This is the Lamar Jackson uh, program. He also, his father had talked about he could go back to school and make money with name imaging and license if he didn't necessarily like those teams at the top of the draft. And and now the question is, are the Chicago Bears going to go forward with Justin Fields as their quarterback? and trade the first overall pick for a second consecutive year? Or are they going to take Williams and trade Justin Fields? And there's a lot of scuttlebutt out there about Justin Fields in Atlanta, his hometown, where the Falcons are quarterback needy. Where, as we've talked about, they've interviewed Bill Belichick. Now, if you're bringing Bill Belichick on, and we're a long way from that, but he has been interviewed I think you need some sort of established quarterback. It hasn't worked very well for Bill in the last few years trying to groom up a young quarterback, whether that was Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. Baker Mayfield's a free agent? He is. Yeah. Yeah. And made himself some money yeah. last night, Yeah, to be sure. Nice. Had a nice season. Like yeah. A nice, I he's, mean, he's, he's, just, could... he's just a, he's just a, he's a quarterback. Yes, yes, he's he's a quarterback. Yeah, uh, he'll he'll have his bad games. I'm I'm not sure he's championship worthy, but with a, with a championship coach, maybe he is. And if you surround him with the right people, and look, uh, Tampa yeah. has surrounded him with some decent talent there. Yeah, I mean the receivers are excellent, running backs darn good, and their defense is decent as well. That's well, why you're into the divisional round of the NFC. I actually had to go and look at Super Bowl champions recently. I was like. Did freaking Tom Brady win a Super Bowl for the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. Sure did. At, Some guys on that team still uh, <laughs> toting Super Bowl rings, thanks to Tom. At Gabby underscore Shirley, Tampa Bay uh, writer uh, Julian Breesbaugh chatted with reporters today about the team this season, and as you ex- expect, the upcoming NHL trade deadline, he offered this piece of information on the future of the Bolts' captain Stephen Stamkos. Quote, Stephen Stamkos is not getting traded, so we can put that one to bed. That is not going to change between now and the deadline under any circumstances. End quote. Wow, that's uh, emphatic. 
I think I, I guess they see him as a legacy player, right? Uh, who has not played for any other franchise. 33 years old in the final year of a deal that pays him 8.5 million on average. He'll be, in fact, he'll be 34 here in early February. A right shot could play center guy. You would have a lot of trade value, I think. It's a full no move clause as well, though. Yeah, so you need his blessing. And, and they are a playoff team, but you're right. Any other sort of championship caliber team that had fallen to the second wild card would consider this rock bottom for themselves, probably. Yeah. And a chance to liquidate would be there. But you're right. I think. Well, he's... of course, they played a good part. What did they play? A month, six weeks without Vasilevsky as their starting goaltender. So I, I have, you know, I look at Tampa and I see a playoff team. Yeah. So you, you I, keep I'm not sure I still see a championship team. But I certainly see a playoff team. But do you write them off given what's hiding under there? Vasilevsky gets red hot. Kucherov and Stamkos get hot. I mean, mm -hmm. things can happen. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, this is a franchise that is accustomed to going for it at the deadline. I, I do wonder whether they will be the same aggressive club at the deadline. First of all, they don't have a lot of trade after they traded like the Sun, Moon, and Stars for Tanner Janot last year. Yeah, I don't think they do much this time. Uh, but Janot, Sergachev, more recently Chernak have all been hurt here. So they've been missing a bunch of guys. Do you know that they have Brent Seabrook? Oh, is that where Brent's That's um, where Brent um, playing these days? Play. Yeah. <laughs> for his contract. $6.875 million. He's He's free th uh, this summer. Oh, he's available? He's available. And that's hashtags for today. Secure's Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Nissan in Surrey has two of the real big ones up for grabs here. The 2023 Nissan Rogue, you can find it from 3.99%. You can also buy a set of partner brand winter tires there. You get 170 bucks off. Or the 2024 Leaf, get into the electric revolution at 5.74%. Same winter tire offer. Go check it out at Applewood Nissan in Surrey. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today. Who is the Canucks MVP so far? Demko, Hughes, Miller, Pedersen. You can vote at Sikerson Price on Twitter and YouTube, and we will put it to our next guest, rank-wide chef Patterson, Canucks reporter, busy after a 4-3 shootout loss to Columbus on Monday. Jeff, how are we? Good. Yeah. A day off, as you can imagine, for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, if ever there was uh, a sure thing, it was this one after mm -hmm. uh, seven games and 12 nights and their travel troubles, they got back home. And so a day off, and uh, I guess they'll get back at it probably with a, a Wednesday practice, get ready for Arizona and the start of this five-game homestand now that's going to take them up to the All-Star break. Answer me the poll. Where are you casting your MVP vote for the club if it was held today? Yeah, I've been on Team Quinn all season. I, the, the start of the season was so important. I mean, just think of all the talk in the offseason. We were a big part of that. Everybody uh, that had a voice was this team has to get off to a big start. And they named him captain. He seemed to take that responsibility to heart. And the way he played, the way the team got out of the gate, uh, and and I, I think really when I look at all of the reasons for success for the Vancouver Canucks this year, like I thought Quinn Hughes had a decade of sort of 75-point seasons in him. 
I didn't know that he was going to level up to the level that he has where he's going to take a legitimate run at a, a hundred point season. And we saw Eric Carlson get there last year in San Jose, but the, I think the second half of the season in San Jose was devoted to, you know, every second touch had to be Eric Carlson just to run up those point totals. Wins didn't matter. Results were not important. It's different here. And Quinn Hughes has gone about his business and was so productive in the early going. His pace has slowed a little, but not a lot. And so I just think there are a lot of guys that have leveled up, but nobody more so than Quinn Hughes. And I just think the leadership, uh, the focus, the determination, the dedication, all of that uh, gives him an edge here. But it's incredible. And I think that you could make a pretty compelling case for anybody that's uh, on this poll here as an option. It's uh, It's been quite a start to the season for him, for the team. We're past the halfway mark. They finished this long road trip. By the way, first game back after a long road trip, that trap game that we've always talked about. What is it what, like after a seven game road trip? What does the Coyotes game look like? We'll find out. Eventually, this team's going to lose three games in a row. Um, I don't think this is going to be a regression thing, though. Are, are we worried about this team being tired? They played so many games. They've been at the at the top of the games played column in the entire league for much of this season. Do you think there's going to be some fatigue here in the not-too-distant future for this team, having played at this level for so long now? Well, five here at home, and then basically 10 days off, except for the guys that have to go to Toronto. But they start out of the All-Star break in Carolina, so they were going to have to work their way east eventually. I do think that that November into December stretch was an absolute gauntlet. What did they play? 23 games and 45 nights, and more than held their own. In fact, they stretched their lead on a lot of the teams in the chase back there. So uh, I do think the second half will lighten. It'll ease the burden a little bit. And teams like Los Angeles and Edmonton that still have a ton of hockey to be played, you know, they're going to have to do it over a compressed portion of the second half of the season. Ultimately, they all start in the starting gate. They get to the finish line at the same time. And everybody's got stretches in their schedule. Everybody's got quirks in their schedule. Not everybody has to bust from Buffalo to Toronto to avoid snowfall uh, to make their next game. But, you know, challenges come at you in different ways. But I do think that the fact that the load is lightened somewhat after the All-Star break, they've got that nine-game homestand in March. And the hope always was by back-end loading with all the home games that, you know, those would put them in a pretty good place to make the playoffs. Well, I think they're well ahead of that portion of the curve now. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how many days off they're given, uh, you know, how Rick goes about handling uh, workloads and load management and goaltending and all those types of things. But I, I, I do think that the heaviest portion of the travel now with this seven out of the way, they've got a five-gamer out of the All-Star break that takes them back east. But other than that, it's, uh, you know, two here and one there. And so um, it, it's a grind. It always is. But winning is fun. And I think uh, for the most part, uh, these guys are having a fair bit of fun, uh, even if it was a, a slog to get from Buffalo to Columbus. And it looked that way as that game unfolded. You could see that they were sort of uh, at the end of their line, literally and figuratively on the, the seven game road trip. As we look ahead to the schedule too, remember we were lamenting the fact they hadn't played LA um, and they got all these LA games ahead while LA sinking. They finished their season series with the Oilers and the Oilers are rising. So in that sense, they, yeah. they caught all those teams sort of at the right point, maybe. Yeah. And if you look at, like, I know people were lamenting the fact that, you know, the Canucks were playing all these games in December and LA seemed to have a bunch of time off and, and falling behind the curve in terms of games played. Well, if you go and look at the Los Angeles Kings schedule, that first game that they play head to head on February 29th, like the Kings are all over the map in the month of February. I think they're out East twice and they arrive in Vancouver at the tail end of a daunting stretch for them. So 
you know, the Canucks were that way. Like, I think back to a couple of losses. The one in Columbus here yesterday, you know, you always talk about scheduled losses, 7-12. and 12. They still managed to get a single point. You know, the loss in San Jose back in late November, that was the end of 10 games in 17 nights. And, you know, it's understandable. Like, we think of these guys as superheroes, but ultimately they're just elite athletes, but they're human beings too. And there is a limit to how they can be expected to perform on a on a nightly basis. But I, I think it has spoken a little bit, guys, to the maturity in the marketplace too, that, you know, nobody freaked out when they lost to the Sharks. Like, yeah, it was a bit of a blemish on their on the record. Certainly. It was a shame. But, it was a shame to throw away those two points. But, but you're right, people weren't, yeah. you know, screaming from the top of rooftops and things. And same no. here in Columbus. Like, you can understand that they went 5-1-1 one, and one on the road trip. And if that was an off day and they didn't have it, they still managed to get it to overtime and, and had their chance on a power play briefly in overtime in the shootout. Uh, you know, and go 5-1-1 one, and one on the road trip. Like, that's pretty incredible stuff. That uh, And to sweep the New York area and do things that this team has never done in a half century of existence. So I do think that there's a maturity in the way that people are handling uh, the rare occasion when the Vancouver Canucks come up on the short end of the scoreboard. Uh, I saw you wrote on Kuzmenko and his road trip, and there were a whole lot of zeros there in the counting stat <laughs> yes, categories. But is there a case that he had a better road trip than that would suggest? Jeff. Uh, yeah, I've got a piece of Canucks Army that explores this because you're right. It was no goals, no assists, no points, no penalty minutes, no hits, uh, no face-offs because he doesn't take face-offs. Like it really was a ghost of a road trip for Andre Kuzmenko that started with a healthy scratch in St. Louis and didn't get terribly more impactful the rest of the way. But you say that and you look at the game in Columbus when other guys were starting to tire, uh, he matched his High ice time for the road trip at 15 and a half minutes. I think he played 15.39 against the Blue Jackets. He had a shift in overtime. In fact, he had the Canucks only shot in overtime. So in other tight games where he's been benched, we've seen Rick Tockett use him in overtime. He had shifts in Pittsburgh in overtime as well. You know, the underlying numbers for the road trip weren't bad. Like the Canucks controlled shot share and scoring chances. But that line with Pia Suter and Ilya Mikheyev did not produce a single goal in the six games that they've been put together. And so... Thank goodness for the lotto line, and to a lesser degree, that third line that's really the second line, and you just wonder, these tight games against the Penguins, the Sabres, and, and on Monday against the Blue Jackets, like, what could a goal from Kuzmenko or Mikheyev or Suter have done to sort of ease the burden on the Vancouver Canucks? Again, they go 5-1-1, one, and one, so uh, you know it's not like that line you know ruined the road trip in any way. But, um, yeah, I mean, Andre Kuzmenko hasn't scored a road goal since that 10-1 romp in San Jose on November the 2nd, he hasn't picked up a road point, guys, since November 12th in Montreal. Like, there are still road games on the schedule, and guess what? Come playoff time, seems to me that uh, you play at least half of your games or pretty close to it uh, away from home. So, again, like, there was effort. To the eye, there was effort from Kuzmenko on the road trip, but has the bar fallen that low so quickly that we're going to sit here and praise him for effort, making five and a half million bucks when he made it look so easy last year to score all the goals that he did. So, you know, I'm not sure. The, the road trip started with a healthy scratch form, not a single point along the way. Like, I'm not sure that Rick Tockett is a whole lot further ahead with this guy than he was when he embarked on this road trip, and it still, to me, remains... Uh, the big weakness for this hockey club, not just Kuzmenko, but certainly that second line of scoring, the support for the lotto line on the nights where they're not going or they just don't have it or they're held in check. And, you know, the power play could help too. If if the power play could heat up again like it did early in the season, that would take a little bit of the scoring burden off uh, those guys five on five. But 
Yeah, and look, it's not just Kuzmenko. I got to point out, like Ilya Mikheyev's got a dozen yes. games now without a goal and one in his last 16. I know he hit a post in Buffalo, so he was close, but that suitor mikheyev kuzmenko line got outscored 2 nothing in the six games they were together on the road trip. So they're not getting torched defensively. They're essentially holding their own, but to me, it just feels this season, the way it's unfolded, that the bar has to be a little bit higher uh, than holding your own, especially when the two wingers are both making $5 million plus. And one of the other things I wanted to ask you about with regards to the Columbus game last night or Monday, where boy, Ian Cole had a tough go and Nikita Zadorov was rather frisky uh, with the puck. That pairing, Jeff, could that sort of be some of the kryptonite for the Canucks? If Zadorov's getting a little too frisky with the puck and Cole continues to struggle with some of the zone exits. In fact, Carson Soucy, if you go back and look at his. Uh, career zone exits haven't been his greatest strength either did you see a red flag there from columbus look i've been a, a big fan of ian cole like i, I like the signing at the time i think this guy and his experience and the championship pedigree and everything else and he's a great guy to deal with uh not that that matters ultimately in his on ice performance but there's just been a lot to like about ian cole and yeah i mean whatever happened uh, whether it was uh, fatigue at the end of a road trip for the oldest player on the roster who turns 35 here in february you know, they load managed them against the Islanders. They were willing to do that and didn't skip a beat. I thought like it would have made sense, especially given the added travel troubles uh, late in the day that why not just ask him or tell him to sit down again. Noah Juleson has played well when, you know, asked to perform fresh legs there. I thought you could have made an argument even to get Linus Carlson into the lineup at the end of the road trip as well. Uh, as for Zadorov, you know, I think for the most part, he's been a pretty good addition. Uh, we've seen him be physical and stick up for teammates and those types of things that he has to continue to do. But uh, there have been some moments with the puck that absolutely it's been an adventure, I think, of him trying to stick handle through the Philadelphia Flyers, having his pocket picked here in the game after Christmas and giving up a breakaway that ended up in the, the back of the net. So uh, I, I think Ian Cole, I'm going to give him a pass for one of, if not his uh, toughest night of the season so far. But, you know, certainly something to monitor, especially if he's going to continue to be asked to play on his offhand there as a lefty moving over to the right side. So, mm-hmm. you know, your point about Susie, the question was there when they signed him. He's always been a good third-pairing guy. Can he play higher in the lineup? And, you know, along with Tyler Myers, if Cole and Zadorov are struggling and they reduce their ice time, then that's going to put more on the plate of Susie and Myers. And, uh, again, they're not going to play the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, down the stretch and into the playoffs. They are going to face better teams that will try to jump uh, those advantages wherever they can get them. So, yeah, I think the defense is still, I mean, Rick Tockett called it a committee early on. I think uh, the committee essentially has been set, but it is a question of uh, deployment and ice time and maybe just trying to get a feel for who's going on a given night and, and try and uh, guide the ice times that way. It doesn't have well, to be Cole and Zadorov, though, does it? Like, it, it could be. They they could try yep. Susie there, right? Yep. I mean, it, it, like, that's, that's something that's within the... I just don't know what we call the second and the third pair here, and I don't know that Rick Tockett knows that. No, and... You know, I, I don't know that they're basing anything. Remember, they tried Carson Soucy with Quinn Hughes uh, training camp, and it didn't last very long. And he did struggle over on that side, even though he has played a little bit there. You know, I, I think Soucy has back in the lineup. He's just kind of been a calming influence. He's played reasonably well here. But yeah, I, I think, and this would feel like the time, like whether it's a five-game homestand here at the end of January or even into February, if you're going to continue to load manage at times, why not experiment a little bit? Like, I, I can't imagine that there would be this massive drop-off if you wanted to try Susie over on the right side and pair him with somebody else. You know, all of this can be used as uh, information gathering 
so that they can get to the final 15, 10 games of the regular season and really, you know, put their playoff preparation in place then. So I wouldn't have any issue if they wanted to do a little experimentation, whether it's in practice or ultimately, uh, you know, live bullets uh, in game action. But I, I think that that's something that they probably should look at. Does that extend to Ronick anchoring his own pair and getting a sense of what he can do away from Quinn Hughes before you pay him the big money? There was a Jay Fresh hockey card this week on Ronick, which wasn't most flattering. Do you need to see what Ronick can do away from Hughes before giving him the big ticket? My hunch is that they're not going to do that, that the coaching staff management may have other ideas there. Uh, I just think that they have liked what they've seen. They like the juice that it's produced with that pairing uh again where where they are in the standings right now if ever there was a time to do it maybe it would be here because you're right you still see it uh on occasion and i think to the pittsburgh game the other night uh, the sydney crosby goal down the wing uh, philip Aronic makes a bad pinch now lots of guys make bad pinches yeah. and other you know one thing the canucks have been so good at this season is recovering and not compounding mistakes and you look at that first columbus goal yesterday Bluger loses a board battle. That's fine, but everybody's on the one side of the ice. The middle of the ice is wide open. That's something that Canucks haven't done very often is compound their mistakes. But yeah, I still sit from time to time in isolation. You see some questionable decisions from Philip Ronick. I mean, he has absolutely been terrific at this price point, but you're right. Like every dollar matters uh, moving forward with the OEL buyout and uh, the other tickets that other guys are going to require here. So they can't just go and basically meet his demands. Uh, they've got to figure out uh, ultimately what they think he is worth to this hockey club. He's going to get a raise, but it's just a question of, you know, is he going to start with a seven? I'm sure the Hironic camp with the point totals uh, thinks that it can probably squeeze uh, somewhere up into the eights. I, I don't think that uh, ultimately, uh, given his track record, I mean, the season looks like the outlier you know, he's always been a sort of 40 pointish guy. I don't think that he's going to be a 75 point guy for you know the rest of his time as a Vancouver Canuck. So, yeah, I mean, I think there are some decisions here, but I don't get a sense from the coaching staff that breaking up Hughes and Heronic is something that's in their plans or in the works here anytime soon. We had a good debate yesterday, Blake and I, whether the management team would ask them to do that just for a, a look see. Um, let's move on. Elias Patterson. And Jeff, what's your sense of how much angst there is around Canucks management to know something on Elias before the deadline? Because if Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine are going to make a big swing, the likes of which we saw last year with the acquisition of Philip Ronick and the sorts of swings that have been the MO of Jim Rutherford over the years, let's remember he has presided over a pop-up Stanley Cup winner in 2006 with Carolina. So I would suspect that they're looking at doing everything they can to try and strengthen this team's cup chances. What do you think they need to know, if anything, about Elias Patterson's intentions before the early March trade deadline? It feels like we've just come through uh, this road trip here where there were a couple of reports that sort of felt to me like management is trying to message now, hey, we have made it abundantly clear that we are open for business. We want to talk and it's on the player. Now, I, I don't think that there's any sort of fraction at this point. Like I'm not suggesting that there's a divide. Obviously there's a gap. Uh, otherwise they would have closed it. But just the, the messaging that's out there kind of feels like management saying to the fan base, we have given it every 
every effort to open the talks here to get this moving. And it's now on the player. And it's his prerogative. He has the right to remain silent. Uh, we know that Elias Pettersson you know, keeps things close to the vest and isn't an open book at the best of times. So I'm not really surprised here. But at the same time, you know, again, I, I think you can massage your own message. I think you can, whether it's through yourself or your agent, uh, I know that he's uh, denied requests to speak about the contract here midseason, and that's fine. Again, this guy's having a, an incredible season. Uh, we know that the last time that he went through uh, a contract battle with the Vancouver Canucks, he admitted after the fact that you know it, it it took a toll on him. So I can understand like if he just wants to focus on hockey, but a peep, a hint, something that would suggest that he wants to remain a Vancouver Canuck over the long haul, that he's encouraged by what he's seen here. Because I think at the outset of the season, guys, that was one of the things, right? We all thought, well, they need to prove to him that they can put a winning team on the ice. Well, they've done that, and he's been a huge part of it. And it's just been absolute cone of silence from Elias Pettersson and his camp to this point. So, you know, I, I don't think anybody, anybody should be nervous, but I also have always felt like he's such a shrewd operator here that, I'm not sure anybody can truly get a read uh, on what he's thinking in the short term or the long term here. And like, there is a part of me, and I'm not trying to scare anybody, this is not reporting, but there is a part of me that wouldn't be shocked to see him play his way to unrestricted free agency or put the Canucks in a position where there is uncertainty that they have to to make him, I don't know. I mean, well, his reasons are drying up here. He said that he didn't want to negotiate because he didn't want the distraction. Well, now not negotiating is becoming the distraction. Yep. Um, and the, the fact is, he holds all the cards now. He was he was uh, put off by the last negotiation because he was in a bit of a no man's land in terms of how, how much term should be on, what the price should be. I don't think there's didn't much, have arb rights, right? right. They, I don't think there's much gray area here. You've got all the cards, Leas. Just tell us if it begins with an eleven or a twelve, and we'll sign the darn paperwork. Like it's all on him. I don't think this should be a stressful negotiation at all. Well, and you know, and I'm not the first to say this, but that media day at the All Star game, like he's probably if there's anything he's losing sleep over right now, it's probably that in the yeah. center of the universe. He knows. I mean, part of being an All Star is putting yourself out there for. 15 or 20 minutes and just letting people ask questions. There's nowhere to hide. So uh, that's going to be fascinating theater. You know, again, it's not his favorite part of the gig. You can tell that even just working with the local media here. So uh, I can't imagine that that part's going to thrill him, but it comes to the territory. And at some point there, there are going to be some pressure points for him, whether facing the media is a true pressure point Whatever the case, it might advance the story even a little bit to get a sense of of what he's thinking because uh, he just, at least publicly, has given no indication of you know what this season has meant to him individually, collectively for the group, the direction the hockey club is going. And you're right, like the season he's having, all the leverage over on his side, he could name his price right now if he chose to. So what is holding them back i guess that's and they the may be waiting for just that for vancouver to hit the canucks to hit the point of uh extreme desperation where they effectively write the blank check and say elias you fit you fill i in get the feeling that's pretty much it now already that that blank check is available to him um i mean try it yeah and, <laughs> and uh i do wonder whether this management group and this ownership group is getting a little frustrated uh at this point because Look, it's not critical that you know something by trade deadline, 
But if trade deadline comes and goes and you still don't have Elias on a contract, then Jeff, you absolutely must know by July 1st. Sure. Right. Because, or even the draft really a few days beforehand, because at that point you were making significant decisions about the next year and several years thereafter. And you're going to need to know uh, heads or tails from your star centerman if he's in and at what, and at what dollar Mm -hmm. number he's in uh, not to mention term as well. So uh, lots to mull here in the second half of a Canucks. Mm. It's never boring, huh? No. Nope. Even when they're winning, <laughs> no. there are matters mm. to discuss. Great stuff, Jeff. We'll catch up Friday. All right. Sounds good, guys. Oh, to the people. To the people. We, let's, yes. let's go to those people, shall we? Have to go to the people. I miss the people there. It's been a long, frustrating time for people here. To the people we go. To the people we go, brought to you by our friends at Finney. Can't improve productivity and efficiency with equipment you can rely on. Go to Finney.com, check out their extensive inventory on new, used, and rental equipment to find the right solution to meet your unique needs. Need a part? Never been easier with Finney Cat's online service. Invest in the future of your business. Check out the latest at Finney.com. Monday's poll question, will the Canucks win the President's Trophy? Yes, no, or don't care? Nearly 2,000 votes on this, Blake. What did the people say? Um, Don't care. Don't care. Don't even care. Don't even care. And again, I fundamentally disagree with it from where this team was. The right. the Canucks of yesteryear didn't care about President's Trophy, particularly the second year that they were uh, mm. winning it, because that wasn't the goal. There, there's been success. They were looking for the ultimate goal. This team doesn't know success. Oh, you get a trophy handed to you. Take the damn trophy. Uh, to me, it'd be achievement. It'd be a great cherry on top of the story, but. Based on the comments, the market is scarred by President's Cup and the President's <laughs> or President's Trophy, and the President's Trophy itself may be yeah. scarred. Forty-eight percent said don't care. Thirty-seven percent said no. Just fifteen percent said yes. Burry's flow don't care. Get the highest seed possible. Well, Burry's flow, uh, the highest seed possible, would be the President's Trophy. Well, unless it came from the East, unless the East stole the President's. Sure. Yeah. But if you're getting the highest seed possible, you're one of two teams Mm -hmm. that could conceivably win the president's trophy. Uh, Poll says, no, you don't want it. The last 11 president's uh, trophy winners did not win a cup. It's a curse. Billy, whatever the best first round matchup is, I think we'll see some of that. JWAC, choices win the president's trophy or put a top player or two on LTIR. LTIR is the winning formula to load up on the trade deadline talent. It's the difference between Boston and Vegas last year. Oh my gosh. I, I hadn't even thought of this until JWAC points this out. Um, like if if somebody's got like a decent injury mm-hmm. at the trade deadline, put them on. Does this management group have the temerity to do that like mike gillis would have done it in a new york minute yep I, I think you have to that's keeping up with the joneses these days the joneses being kelly mccrimmon in vegas julian breezeball in tampa so if you've got an injury there it, it, so that's first week of march it's a two-week injury the mm-hmm. guy could ostensibly come back you've got to talk to said player whoever that is and say we're gonna shelve you mm-hmm. and what if it's one of the big five do you, can, do you, can you look one of the big five in the eye and say, we're going to shelve you? You prefer not. <laughs> you would prefer not. And, and with this group, the, I mean, this would be so foreign to them all. Yeah. Right. 
because they haven't been through a Stanley Cup playoff grind. They like, don't understand what it takes. So, boy, it would take a lot of communication. Like imagine Brock Besser's on 35 uh, wow. goals. And he needs five more for 40. He's gone for three weeks, but he could probably get back so, in time to score five more goals. So let me revise. You can't do it with Elias because his contract up and it would be oh, eating away. So at poison. Yeah. I don't think anyone would be brave enough to do it with JT Miller. I'm not sure you want to do it with Thatcher Demko because I think you want him playing regularly right. enough for the timing. Besser might be the one. Besser and Hughes would be the two yeah. where I would say maybe you've got a shot there. Although it hurt Norse Trophy Canada to see if he, yeah, he was. Unless, unless he just, you, you put a Mona Lisa on the wall and let it marinate. Well, he will have had the games played enough. The other thing I think is you say to you know, Quinn, like, look, you're the captain. This is about team. Yeah. To quote Belichick, T E A M. Cross the bridges when you get to them, but it'll it would be an interesting decision to make. Chris says only thing one thing matters. That's in June. Steven says their March and April is a murderer's row. Lots of really good squads coming down the pipe. Yep, fair. Uh poll question: Canucks going all in, where it was a sixty-two percent yes vote on YouTube. Steven says. Um, sorry, Ben says, yes, because there are only so many chances a player gets. JT isn't going to get any better. Same with Brock. Maybe Quinn, Philip Ronick, and Elias Pettersson may have another level, but that is asking a lot. This is currently a five- to six-year window with the current core, maybe an extra one or two, depending on the current prospect development, like whether Pods finally arrives, can Hoaglander crank crank it even higher any other prospect be impact players soon picks are nice but unless you're super lucky they're four plus years away jt will be 34 besser 30 demko 32 the nhl only getting younger the Canucks may be ending up back to 2015 with vets becoming too old and without cap space yeah it could very well happen Patton third says wheelander lecromaki and dpd shouldn't be in play this year's first and the others should be okay but that's not all in if you're sitting there saying most we've got in. three players, three prospects who are untouchable, no, that's not all in. Well, and Nautism says the same thing. Everyone is like, don't trade Lacrimacchi or Wheelander. Screw that. It depends what right. we can get. I don't think the fans realize this is as close as we have ever been to having a legit cup winner. If we can get a solid return, make the trade, we are one to two pieces away from being unstoppable. If the trade makes sense, trade them. Yeah. Nautism, how old are you? I was going to say, <laughs> they've been closer to a cup twice. Yeah. I mean, for sure, twice. 11 and, and 12. Both of those were, stand, were well, President's Trophy. I was going to say 94, too. Like, you've gotten to game seven of the Stanley Cup finals. No, in but fact, I think he means seven. in this moment, like at this point okay. in the season, right. it's twice. It's 11 and 12. Basketball, Phil, tell me I'm wrong. Since the University of Washington has Pete Carroll's son, Brennan, as its offensive coordinator, they should get Pete involved with the program. That would fund NIL money for years, having them around the program. I messaged our friend, Captain Greg Bell, and Ian Furness and others going, is there any chance Pete Carroll would stay in Seattle and coach the University of Washington? Turns out oh, not, not the case. Yeah. Uh, Rob V emails says, please answer why everyone was talking about getting a top six forward when the team leads the league in scoring and is in the top five defensively. Are they in the top five defensively? In terms of what goals against? Yeah. Well, because the general manager, the president of hockey operations, Rob, is talking about getting a top six forward. That's sort of the easy answer. 
Yeah, he, they are. He, he specified. Tied for fifth in, goals against. In an interview with Jim Rutherford. And, uh, and in an interview with Pierre Le, LeBron last week. It, it just allows you uh, to do different things. It allows you to break up the lot of line when needed. It allows right. you to have a legitimate other scoring line if you add that one other forward. Right. And it allows you to absorb an injury a lot easier right. if and when that happens. So there are a lot of reasons. Yeah. On Sean Monahan as a center target, Brandon, if they're trying to hit Stanley Cup contention mode, we better think a little bigger. Think about what wins tough playoff games. We need to go after difference makers. Peter says, wouldn't give up more than a third for Monahan or Enrique. I think Adam Enrique is going to cost roughly about that because yeah. the salary is really high. And he's not that diff- much of a difference maker. No, he's just a no, he's player. a bottom six yeah. uh, center. Monahan, the salary is really digestible, so I have a feeling you're going to cost. It's going to cost you more. And despite some underlying metrics that doesn't uh, win over a lot of people, he's a bit of a darling player right now. He's a bit of a of a name brand of the deadline, if you will. I think he's going to get moved, and I think there's going to be a bit of a bidding war for him. I, you know, within the scale of what he is. Well, and in, in the law of economics applies here demand and supply there just isn't a lot of supply of unrestricted free agent centermen out there yeah md says no this is an injury prone player at peak at the peak of his value unless we want another beagle or suitor or sutter stay far far away from monahan not a 2c at this point i wouldn't give up more than a fourth for him well i don't think that's getting it done md on frank cervelli and defenseman the canucks could target ryan says in order Larson, Tanev, Yoki Harju, Fabro, Carrier, Livingstone, Boquist, Soderstrom, Brandstrom, and Labushkin. All but the last are right-handed shots. Well, Labushkin's a right-handed shot. No point spending on physical left-side defensemen until a call is made on Zadorov and Cole. I feel like puck-moving ability on the right side is needed. Larson's team has won nine of ten. Tanev's team has won three in a row. Um, they're not being pried loose anytime soon, those two players. So you're going to have to wait. Pucker Glenn, I think you guys stumped Frank when you asked which of the top 60 are coming out of the lineup for the names he listed. That tells me this court doesn't truly need any of those names for the price it would cost, and they don't need the, they don't move the needle. Top six forward it is then. And fair enough, but again, we're talking depth here, right, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yep. How often are you going to have your best six defensemen all healthy and ready to go. And Nick Sealer's, what happens if you don't? That was on a Nick Sealer question, Pucker. And 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 Nick Sealer's, what, I think he's 700 grand on the cap. Yeah. Van, <laughs> so, yeah. like, you just have the guy. Van City Boy says, Sealer, another left side defenseman. I'd sign him in the offseason. Lastly, j on the lotto line, causing imbalance on other forward lines. Long-haired bastard says, put Kuzmenko back on the bananas and soda diet. Mike says, we should look at Kuzmenko as a backup for Besser. He's not a big part, but he's still a part we need for a run. Roley says that OEL contract will screw us over yet. You'll see need Kuzmenko and Myers off the books ASAP. Robert says, I like Besser, but I wonder about whether he isn't pricing himself out of the Canucks. Won't be getting any faster as he gets older. Secure's Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. You can text us, 778-402-9680. The Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. 
errors and omissions from yesterday's program. There were a couple. Uh, we wondered what U.S. holiday was coming up on February 19th that have the Canucks playing another weekday matinee and, in fact, another weekday a.m. start for us here in the Pacific time zone. Uh, you wondered if it's Columbus Day. It's President's Day. Columbus Day is in October, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny because you sort of think of... Uh, Did they get more holidays than us still? It sounds like they do. I thought we even the score with Family Day, but... I guess we haven't. Do they get something on BC Day? Do they have something mid like start? Oh, August? they mean oh, and you know what they don't have? They don't do Boxing Day. Twenty sixth no, is not, not a stat. Not a stat, no. Yeah. Um, but they've got the double memorials, like Memorial and Veterans Day, and they have the or is the Thursday and the Friday of Thanksgiving stats or just the Thursday? Uh, just the Thursday uh, officially, but nobody's but working Friday. Work nobody's Friday. working Friday. Friday. The status the Thursday. No. Well played, America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well played. <laughs> so anyways, uh, we will likely, um, based on the response from yesterday, thank you very much, folks, for tuning in on Twitter, Insta, Facebook, and YouTube. Um, see, to your pre- intermission. see your President's Day. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So we'll talk to your President's Day on the live intermission. Potentially Columbus Day, too, if they choose to play them. <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, we'll need a schedule for that yeah, first, yeah. right? And then uh, I mistakenly say midway through the NFL playoffs, of course, we were two-thirds of the way for the six games done on Super Wild Card weekend. All right. Grady tells me we are fine in the uh, Great Clips text message inbox. No one else's message. Yerky on Twitter um, tells me that my last name, Sakaris, would have a Quran on it. Like Ruchinsky, he says, unless you spell it the Hungarian way, and I'm told we we spell it the Hungarian way. Um, where where would the crumb be on in your the last ass? Believe it or not, Sekerich. Hmm. I was always told it's pronounced Sekerich in the old country. Oh, it makes it yeah, yeah. For a C, it's Ch. For an S, it's Sh. Yeah. Okay. And I'm also told it means like Wagner, guy who drives the wagon. Oh, so your your last name's Wagner, something like that. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, I'm not about to put a Quran on the final last right I think now. you should. A little flair. A little flair. You know what? Should I insist on it? Yeah. How do you spell your last name, sir? S-E-K-E-R-E-S with a Quran. <laughs> Excuse me? With a Quran. You know what? I'm sorry. You don't know the Quran? That is culturally insensitive. If If anybody could pull off that level of pretension, <laughs> I'd put it at your feet. Oh, <laughs> Okay, Betway bets of the daytime. Hard not to be impressed by the Green Bay Packers. I hate saying that, but here we are after their huge victory in Dallas. They're now headed to the other NFC house of horrors, San Francisco, but they're a 10-point dog. God, the way Jordan Love played, the way that defense can play, I'm going to take the points here before it slides to single digits. Give me the Packers plus 10 in San Fran. That's Patrick Mahomes. That's the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. That is correct. Is that correct? Yeah. As we as we noted, he has never played a road playoff game. All of them have either been at Arrowhead or neutral sites in the Super Bowl. Last I checked, though, Arrowhead was pretty inhospitable this past week in terms of weather. I don't think so. Was so was Orchard Park? No, totally. Tit for tat. Uh, I think Mahomes is going to be just fine. And Chiefs at two twenty five on the money line. Oh wow. 
um, more than willing to take that. All right. On your Betway bets of the day, must be 19 plus to play. Please play responsibly. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us, Rinkwide and Canucks Conversation, wherever you get your podcast. Follow on social. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, support those community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.